everyone, and welcome to a special Ethicast Reacts episode of the Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin. On October 10th, Acting Assistant Attorney General Nicole Argentieri delivered remarks at the American Bar Association 10th Annual London White Collar Crime Institute. And on October 11th, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco spoke at the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics 22nd Annual Compliance and Ethics Institute. These speeches provided back-to-back -back public statements that have big implications for everyone in the ethics and compliance community. Argentieri and Monaco's comments regarding executive compensation clawbacks, voluntary self-disclosures, and mergers and acquisition safe harbors come at a time when the DOJ has undertaken a substantive effort to expand the ways in which companies can cooperate and coordinate with the Justice Department on enforcement issues. To quote Deputy Attorney General Monaco, our goal is simple. Good companies, those that invest in strong compliance programs, will not be penalized for lawfully acquiring companies when they do their due diligence and discover and disclose misconduct. With us today to shed her expert insights in these developments is Ethisphere Chief Strategy Officer and Executive Chair, Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, once again, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Bill. You know, anytime the DOJ speaks, uh, I am at the ready to hop on an Ethicast and give our perspective on this. One of the examples cited in Argentieri and Monaco's comments is the Corpi Colombiana resolution. Can you briefly describe how that resolution exemplifies what life might look like under the DOJ's revised corporate enforcement policy, especially with regards to the DOJ's outlook on executive compensation clawbacks? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, this is old advice for anybody who's been in the space for a long time, but for those of you um, listening in today who are perhaps a little newer to the profession, always read the uh, resolutions. When the, when the government um, releases a, D, you know, a, a DPA or an announcement of a resolution, um, they are wonderful, wonderful places to find information on what the government is thinking and what those things can look like in practice. And so um, that particular resolution was interesting insofar as it really exemplifies the way the government is thinking about rewarding companies when they uh, go after the compensation of wrongdoers. So um, this idea that that the, um, the the London speech included, which was if you either freeze compensation for people who are under suspicion of wrongdoing or claw back compensation, you will get you will get credit in the fine calculation process from the government, right? And that is a game changer uh, in terms of its level of specificity uh, and the amount of attention it is now going to provide to compliance teams that are trying to make the argument that you know, if this person is involved in an investigation, we shouldn't release their quarterly bonus payment until we know that they actually earned their quarterly bonus payment in a way that is appropriate and in line with our values. And if you are in a situation where that's not the case, right? you can now point to some of the, the activity the government has released recently, both this one and the Albemarle situation, to say, no, 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 look, like we really mean it. The government will give us credit in the event that this becomes something that we have to deal with, if we are taking the steps to make sure we are not perversely incentivizing um, people that that are are um, not living our values. Let's talk about the new mergers and acquisitions safe harbor policy in context of the DOJ's larger efforts to incentivize self-disclosure. Why was MA self-disclosure a big enough issue to warrant a specific policy from the DOJ, first of all? And second of all, how does this reflect what kinds of further incentive programs we can expect from the DOJ? So this one had been forecast by the department for a while. Um, there was a, a lot of discussion that this might be something um, that becomes uh, a part of the DOJ's playbook. And the reason is um, 
you know, is success or liability, right? So if you think about uh, different situations we've seen over the course of the last couple of or several years, and in fact, Deputy Attorney General Monaco referenced one of them in her uh, in her speech, which was the uh, opinion letter in 2008 that came out in the Halliburton case, saying that Halliburton, in that particular case, would not be prosecuted for buying buying a problem, essentially, um, because it was working to remediate that. And I, I think what the government's trying to do with this particular uh, uh, safe harbor um, announcement is really two things. One, making sure the compliance teams are at the table in the diligence conversations, because they are going to be best suited to figure out whether or not there's something that a particular organization needs to worry about as they are thinking about acquiring an entity. And as we know, uh, acquisition activity is picking back up again. We sort of had a lull uh, in deal making, but we are starting to see you know, uh, more and more activity now in a, a way that uh, indicates more activity in the future. And I think the government's trying to get out ahead of that and basically say to companies, if your compliance team's at the table and they identify a problem in the company that you are acquiring and you bring it to us uh, in relatively short order, so within six months of close is, is the time frame in the announcement, you will begin with the presumption of a declination, which is huge, right? So, so it's not even that you're going to get credit, but you will begin with the presumption of a declination. And, you know, it, I think it serves a couple of purposes for the government. As I said, first, it gets compliance teams at the table for, um, for the diligence process, and they have not historically always had that seat. And two, uh, it encourages companies with good programs to not pause in buying companies with bad programs, um, which in the end will reduce corporate misconduct uh, broadly. Right. So, so I think those are two of the two of the things. And you know, for those of you on the line who are listening in, who are Bella members, we released actually an M&A playbook uh, a couple of years ago that that outlines what it looks like to have compliance at the table during the diligence process, so that they're not just handed a problem at integration, and instead they have the opportunity to get out in front of and address a problem uh, during the the course of the closed transaction. Every time we get these kinds of updates, it sends a wave of interest throughout Ethisphere because we know how much that these things can impact uh, ethics and compliance professionals. Uh, you yeah. just mentioned that M&A playbook. I'm curious, what are some other resources that you would direct folks to within Ethisphere that directly connect to the topics addressed uh, by Argentieri and Monaco's most recent comments? Yeah. So a couple of things, Bill, and, and, and you know, you yes, inside of Ethisphere, Ethisphere, we all get very excited when the DOJ says something. And then outside of Ethisphere, there's always uh, interest in what the DOJ says yeah. as well. So a couple of things. Um, I actually wrote a LinkedIn post on the um, M&A piece in particular, because I was curious what our data said about the extent to which ethics and compliance teams are already at the table in the diligence process. Um, and 87% of our world's most ethical companies honorees uh, say that their compliance team has a seat uh, at the table, compared to six, a little more than 60% of the broader data set, right? So lots of work to do. Um, if you're a compliance officer listening to this in making sure that you uh, have uh, your voices heard um, as part of the diligence team, because that's clearly the government's expectation. So use that data, um, which is in the sphere, use you know that those data points on um, on that, and then use some of the resources we've cross-linked to make sure that you understand what it looks like to have a seat at the table so that you're able to be an effective partner to the rest of the deal team because you know that that's the other side of the puzzle. Um, on the clawback piece, this is something we've been watching for the last couple of years. Um, it, we will have actually a lot more data on it next year because we added to the way that we, the different questions we ask in the 2024 ethics quotient. So we're going to start releasing that data in the first quarter of next year in terms of some of those clawback pieces. Um, but there is data there today in terms of kind of how companies are thinking about clawbacks. 
Um, and this one-to-one -one conversation, right, this, this sort of fine reduction piece um, is a really concrete way that you can have a conversation with your team internally about the way in which you are addressing executives um, that are involved in investigations of misconduct and making sure that to the extent that it is found that the allegations were accurate, you have not essentially, you know, um, let funds out the door that you will then have to fight to get back. Uh, I think that's that's probably the my biggest takeaway on the on the clawback piece. Well, Erica, as always, it's terrific to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us and for lending us your insight on this. Absolutely, Bill. My pleasure always, and um, I hope that uh, I hope we gave people a few things that uh, that they can use internally in their own conversations. To access the resources that Erica mentioned, as well as many other helpful videos, presentations, and reports that could advance your ethics and compliance program, please visit the Ethisphere Resource Center at ethisphere.com and hit the Resources tab at the top of your screen. And while you're there, we encourage you to explore the rest of our newly redesigned website, which is your gateway to so much else at Ethisphere, including our data benchmarking platform, the Sphere, the World's Most Ethical Companies Program, the Business Ethics Leadership Alliance, and more. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.